um, to emulate some other standard because we're all image bearers, right? We we bear forth the image. It could be an athlete, it could be a businessman, whatever it may be. But if there's a ultimate standard other than Christ, it always leads to failure. Welcome to Reformed Dads, where all things are for dads, through dads, and to dads, as well as the aspiring husband and father. I'm your man, Dusty Marshall. I'm a Christian husband, father, hip-hop artist, and co-founder of Irregular for Christ Ministries. On my right, as always, Andrew High School T. Soncrant. <laughs> yes. And on my left, Pastor Zach Morgan. What's going on? Hey, man. Glad to have you on. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. Yes, sir. Real quick, I just wanted to tell you guys, uh, we have an awesome Patreon community for all the behind-the-scenes footage and full episodes. So if you want to join our Patreon community, we'd love to have you. That's how we continue going. Thank you so much to our Patreon supporters. We're really excited to get going on our Why Children Matter book study by Douglas Wilson. So if you want to be a part of that, go ahead and join our Patreon community, which is patreon.com slash reformdads. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share and share this episode. But guys, how we doing? How's our week going, man? It's going great, dude. I've just been uh, relaxing. I've been working out regularly. Now, you are working out. Yeah, yeah. So everyone who's watching, if you are a Patreon supporter for our extra additional content, you'd see that workout video that, that ruined me. <laughs> you probably have watched it by now. So I was like, I think I'm going to start working out so I could actually be be strong so i'm actually feeling yeah i'm feeling pretty good because nice. yeah, you can't really work i mean you got to work up to jeremy rules level serious he's invite me over i'm like i don't want to die i don't <laughs> yeah. want to be dead i died bro on the inside <laughs> and the outside i know i saw you and i was like oh i mean it's so bad you get to a place where every time you have to go to the restroom you can't even <gasps> yep yes yeah, yeah I, I do his workouts without the weight so he puts on the weight <laughs> and he does his workouts and i just have the bar Literally, yeah. the because I'm like, no well, way. Because you're a normal human. He's like a <laughs> superhuman guy. He's, I know. He's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, man, we're excited to have you on. And we're coming to a section of our show that we call... Who is your daddy and what does he do? So we'd like to get to know you. Kind of tell us about you, your family, what you do. You know, tell us Pastor Zach. Yeah. So, um, husband to Jessica. That's the most important thing. Then I've got... Six kids or seven kids, one in the womb. Yeah. Let's see if I can remember all of them. Zoe Preston, Reese, Jude, Macy, Phoebe, and a boy. We're thinking maybe I like Gideon for a name. Oh, okay. That's a, sweet, That's a strong name. Like yeah, or Titus. Mm, or okay. William. There's a lot of good names. We went to Scotland a couple months ago, and you were there too. Yep. And so we're looking at all the Covenanter names. Could be so cool to name your boy after a Covenanter. Yes. But it's like, if you look down, there's a, actually, if you go on the internet, you can look at the list of all the Covenanters that were, they're martyred. At least the ones that were, you know, registered as being martyred. Uh And it was like, James, 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 Andrew, (laughs) William, James, James, Patrick, James. It's like mainly James, but (laughs) yeah. So um, that's my most important job is to father them. And I'm one of the elders at Apologia Church. And uh, my sister Desi and brother-in-law Don and I run a ministry called The Upward Call. And it's just a regular boots on the ground evangelism ministry. And the whole thrust of that is we're missionaries in America. Just as the church, and they still do, we send so many funds and we have so much of our mind focused on overseas. Well, I think we also have to focus on our native soil. Absolutely. So we're saying, hey... You know, we want to just be the soldiers in the field out at the abortion clinics, yeah. saving babies and preaching the gospel. So yeah. we do that. And uh, my sister and I just started a podcast called Provoked. And, yes. And the purpose of that is just to get people, you know, as Paul was, he was provoked when he saw the idols. That's where the word comes from in Acts chapter 17, 16. And he was provoked to confront the culture with the gospel, mm-hmm. right? So it's to tear down all these systems of idolatry and erect the gospel or a proper proper biblical understanding of whatever is being kind of contested. So, yes. yeah. I love it, dude. So that's yeah. what I'm doing. And that's on Apologia Studios. Yeah. It's in conjunction with them, and yeah. it's posted on their YouTube page and have a podcast right. as well. Right, right. That's awesome. Yeah, you know, it's interesting you were talking about uh, being, uh, you know, evangelists and missionaries here mm-hmm. because I know actually something other countries are sending their missionaries 
to the United exactly States. Right. South oh, wow. Korea is doing that. Yeah. yeah, and that's how bad we need the gospel Absolutely. to be proclaimed on our streets that's and in huge. the public square. I didn't know that. That's that's intense. Yeah. Wow. Yes. Exactly. And that's I think that's one of the big problems with the, you know, the broader American evangelical church as far as the culture and uh, just seeing fruit in the sense of people coming to the Lord is that we have our eyes fixed over there because it's very comfortable. And I'm not hating on overseas missions. I just want to make that clear. We need to send missionaries out into the world. That's the command. But it's much more comfortable to send money and write a check to a guy who's doing it overseas than raise up your own local body to go out and preach the gospel. So that's something that as time goes on, we'll see it as the church gets more purified, more sanctified. We'll see it. But it's something we got to do. And thank God we have leaders that that show us how to do it. Yes. Yes. And that trickles down as we've learned a lot from you. You know, we go to the abortion mill and preach together and uh, do outreach, and I've definitely learned a lot from you guys, uh, from you. Yeah, I'm back. Right uh, no, I'm I'm grateful. And uh, where where uh, tell it where can people go if they want to support you guys for upward call and and um, provoke? Yeah, so we're kind of still putting together the the Patreon, or we might do a different system as far as you know support for uh, provoked. Then go to provoked at apologiestudios.com, and then um, they can go to theupwardcall.net and look at what we're doing and. You can help us there. It'd be great. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, um, you know, we like to get to know our dads here, and you've given us a little bit about you, but we want to find out now uh, about your best and worst moment as a dad. Can Can you uh, recall the best and uh, maybe a best or worst moment from being a dad? I got a lot of worst moments. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I was thinking about this. I think the worst moments as a dad is when you know you're supposed to be doing what you're supposed to be doing. And so I fail when I put myself before my kids or my wife, mm. right? That's my worst moment. You know, yeah. I think it's when we justify not discipling them, not mentoring them, not caring for our wife's need, not being in the moment. But what do we do? We say, I worked all day long. It's me time. Wow. Sure. And so you check out. And if you don't confront yourself in that, which I'm guilty of that, it just becomes a habit mm-hmm. to where you work, you come home, you get something to eat, you get something to drink, and then you go right into your me time because you deserve it. So right. that's where I feel. And I think the best the best moments, are we getting into the best moments? Yeah, go for yeah. it. Yeah. Um, would be when I don't do that, when God, by his grace, just wakes me up and says, how are your sons going to be mentored? How are they mm-hmm. going to become more like Christ? Mm. How, is your, how are your daughters going to be mentored? How is your wife going to be built up in her faith? You know, how are you going to spur her into good works and develop within her her gifting? It's when, by His grace, I can focus in on that. Wow. You know, and as time goes by, and you know, you wish you would have known these things earlier on in sure. your marriage. It's, it's oh, crazy. We're dumb. Yeah. And it takes <laughs> yeah, us long to learn, mm-hmm. and not only to learn, but actually to put these things in a repetitive in a repetitive type of manner mm-hmm. in your life. So yeah. I think the best is when you can lay your head down on the pillow and say, I worked a hard day's work, but I also did what I needed to do. Yeah. You know, rather yeah. than just go to work and kind of clock in and clock out. It's, yes. like a, it's like a whole other level of discipline, you know? Like, it should be that our me time is investing in exactly. our families, you know? Sure. Because literally they're our offspring. Absolutely. Yes. That's how it should be, but literally it takes dying to your flesh to even be able to comprehend that in the first place takes the gospel you know yeah that's actually excellent what you just said because you're saying you're in the meantime you feel like pouring into you is the most important thing but pouring into your wife and kids is investing in your family exactly yeah it's actually building up your own family and building up your life so it's a good way to put it exactly yeah Yeah, paul washer talks a lot about you know the man's thought of like his his time or the man just having time to go out with his friends and stuff and he's like what are you talking about like (laughs) when you have a family like obviously you want to have you time but as a man your job is to like work to the bone right and then hopefully your wife someday comes up to you and says okay now go kill and eat something you know get out of the house go kill and eat something Mm because you're just killing yourself here in the family sure you know so you know the ideas of like retirement and you know, just going out with your friends. Like, obviously, we want to have personal time, but never at the expense of doing our God-given duties. Yes. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, um, you know, we have a a fun moment in our show where we call the Rapid Five. And uh, the Rapid Five is just five random questions. Could be serious, could be silly. So are you ready for that? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So the first question, if you were a a wrestler, what would your entrance theme song be? (laughs) I don't know, dude. Um, 
I didn't get into wrestling. I remember when I was a kid in the eighties, I loved Hulk Hogan until you kind of figured out like yeah, what wrestling I, right. <laughs> was all about. Um, I don't know, maybe just like a weird one, like Friday by Rebecca Black, or <laughs> just to trip no. people out or something. No, it would be like "Smells Like Teen Spirit" by Nirvana. Oh, there, there you go. go. That gets me going. All oh, right. Wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Question two: What's the best piece of advice that you've ever been given? Uh, I was definitely by my sister when I was 10. I won't go into it too much, but I just oppressed, you know, couldn't sleep, go into her room, and she shares the gospel with me. She says, mm-hmm. repent and believe in the gospel. And I think at that moment, that was when the Spirit of God regenerated me. Mm-hmm. But I remember sitting down with my pastor when I was 19. In this verse, he said, take my instruction instead of silver and knowledge rather than choice gold, for wisdom is better than jewels, and all that you may desire cannot compare with her. And I remember him sitting there, and I could like see his face, even as I see your face right now. He's like, you got to invest in the Word of God. Build your life upon that foundation. Seek knowledge from the Word of God. And that is what is more precious than silver and, and gold. And I think maybe ministerially, uh, one of my pastors told me, he said, we're here to serve the body, not use our position or our authority right. as elders to serve yourself. Whew. Yeah. So, so good. That were, those three things, I think, were the most formative for me, especially as a pastor and just overall as a Christian man, you know. Awesome, man. That's huge. Um, what is the most embarrassing fashion trend that you used to rock? <laughs> and we're going to have to get a picture from you oh, for sweet. sure, I too. Know. I just, my poor son Jude inherited this from me, but we just don't ever have good hairstyles. <laughs> you go, We go to the the haircut place the only you can't even go there right now yeah not and going. it's just they can't figure out our heads and unfortunately <laughs> my poor son jude gets the same he walks in and we're like that looks good buddy yeah you know? but i don't i think i had the rat's tail back in the early oh, 90s yes or something. obi-wan yeah and my mom would put the bowl on the head so i had the bowl cut <laughs> I or bet. i had like the uh, flat top with the mullet yeah, that's probably <laughs> what in that the world sword. yeah that's flat the top that's we gotta cool. get a photo yeah, yeah. that'd be pretty cool nowadays we but, need that yeah. dude when we were at last time we were at the temple when we were out in Salt Lake City, there was an LDS man with a mullet. Oh, yes. And I was like, dude, that's the cool... I was like, I can't believe I'm seeing you with the mullet right now. I remember yeah. telling him that. He's like, thanks, dude. That's just a level of confidence that you right. have that I don't, I don't have. I, I just can't rock it. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Question four. When you die, what do you want to be remembered for? Mm. I guess you could say maybe like a tombstone would be, he was a servant. Mm. You know, just he was a servant. I think I don't want to get to this too far, but did you go and see Knox's grave when you were in Scotland? I didn't see his grave, no. But it's on it's on the church. Is that on the church property? That yeah, it's on it? the church property. Yeah. I don't want to spend too much time, but it's actually you know most of the time a car is parked over it, and they put a little plaque. Actually, Scottish Reformation tours got the plaque there because you wouldn't even know it's slot twenty three. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah, and everybody's yeah because he's such a huge hero, of course, in the Christian. Not only in Scotland, I mean, he's the father of you know Scottish Presbyterianism and the Reformation of Scotland, and everybody's bummed about it. But I think if he were alive, that's what he would want, right? Wow. He didn't want. And what's cool is right next to him was this huge ornate statue of a guy on a horse. I think his name is Charles Beaton, and he was yeah. the one that was responsible for the deaths of eighteen thousand Covenanters. So you can see how the world takes these men and they exalt them. Yeah. Wow. And then they abase the Christian man. But I think it's so cool because that is what he wanted. He didn't want it. You could read all through his writings. He didn't want any type of fanfare glory. Right. That's the opposite of what God has called us to do. So, yeah, I think, um, you know, and I also want to be known just as a man who helped equip the members of the body of Christ to, to share the gospel. I want to use my life to exalt my Christian brothers and sisters rather than use people or them to exalt me. Wow. Right? And you get that. And that's a huge problem, I think, in the greater American evangelical church, this mm-hmm. kind of celebrity-mindedness. Mm-hmm. You know, if only I could get, you know, attention and popularity, then I've made it, which is antithetical, I think, to what Jesus says, you know, especially a, in Matthew 6. Yeah. Yes, and that's wow. a tough thing, too. And I, I even relate to that, being a musician, because it's all about you know, self-promotion is how you get yourself out there. Right. So I'm constantly trying to battle that like am i asking too much am i doing asking for people to focus on me too much and not glorifying god you know what i mean not serving him with the gifts that's something that is constant because in order to get in front of people you are promoting yourself Mm -hmm. yeah you know it's it's a difficult balance it's a difficult battle and ultimately it's up between the man 
in in his God and God, yeah. right? Because yeah. we can't see your heart. Only you can see your heart. Yes. And we know when we're using people to uh, gain the praises of people or just promote ourselves. But mm-hmm. like you said, media is a tool and you have to be able to get in front of people. And uh, it's just up to us, I think, to always be in God's presence, enabling our relationship with him to humble us, to keep us humble, yes. right? to keep us in check. Yeah. You know, kind of our, our intimacy with God daily is that type of adjustment of the heart that we need. If we yes. don't have that, then I think we default to pride, Absolutely. right? And just to glory seeking, just like the rest of the world around us. Yeah. And Jesus was always talking about that too. Like he straight up said, when there's people who wanted the best seat at the table, he said, the person with the, you should want the, the least of the seats. Yeah. The person who doesn't really care about it that much is going to have the best seat in the kingdom of heaven. Exactly. You know, like, That's right. we should really not care about that at all. We should just be focused on Jesus, who yeah. he is, and just glorifying him. Exactly. And I think those are the great heroes of the faith. I think when all is said and done, we're up in glory with all our brothers and sisters, you know, people we don't even know about. Sure. Know, are they going to be the ones that we're not in the limelight, but we're the most humble, the most selfless. Amen. Yeah. Praise God. Last question is, you have to sing karaoke. What's the song that you pick? <laughs> I could never do it. You can never do it? I would like like fight a bear. You know, before <laughs> really? I, yeah, it's just, you guys wouldn't want me to do it either. You'd be like, ooh, that's not too good. I don't know if I had to, like somebody gave me a thousand bucks or put a gun to my head. Maybe Bush, Bush? or Nirvana. Yeah, oh, okay. Something like that. I, just, I couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. Yeah. Now we know if you ever like... We already ever have like a fun little side bet. That's what we're going to ask you to do now. Yeah. Now we know. <laughs> yeah, you got to put up a lot of money though for that bet, or I'm not going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> it's so yeah. good. Awesome, man. Well, um, you know, we've had some fun and we want to come to a discussion segment of our show. And uh, something that, you know, you're passionate about, we're passionate about being reformed dads is the need to disciple our young men to be men. Mm-hmm. And obviously, Andrew and I um, aren't quite at a place where we have young male children to fully disciple. You know, your son's, he's still a year old. My, I don't have a son yet, but it's something that you have experience with. And, you know, it also has to do, we don't have to have sons to disciple young men. Yeah, I was going to say that. But, uh, Mm -hmm. but, but you wanted to talk about it because you are experienced. You have sons. How old is your oldest? He is 15. Just turned 15. Six foot one. Yeah. He's going to be a monster. I thought he was older than that. I know. <laughs> yeah, and I, I grew an inch and a half after I was 18 and a half. What? So my growth period was like, you know, puberty to 19. Wow. Or something like that. So I think he'll be 6'6", six, six maybe. Wow. 6'7", I don't know. We'll see. So we wanted to talk about that. And um, first we wanted to talk about what does biblical manhood look like in the person of Jesus? Mm-hmm. Um as he is the ultimate man, right? He's our ultimate example of yeah. a man. Yeah, I think, um, and we were talking about it, just about a book series we've been reading. He's the maximized man. He's the optimal man. Hmm. So if you think of Jesus, is the perfect man in every single sense of the word. Yes. He's God on the earth, of course, God becoming a man in the person of Jesus, but he's our perfect example. Right. Find its, finds its culmination in, in him. But I think practically breaking it down, just, I mean, we could talk about this. I was thinking about this for the last couple of days. But some major points of um, really distinguishing how he was set apart in his manhood is that he's fully submitted to the will of God. Amen. Yes. Right. Yes. Fully submitted. He says, I only do that, which the father tells me I only do that, which I see the father doing. Hmm. Right. So he's fully submitted to his will. Of course, in the garden of Gethsemane, he's like, not my will. Yes. yes. Be done. Not partially. Yes. Yeah. Fully. And then fully focused on giving God the glory in everything that he's doing. Yes, and he, he, obviously he is God, but something that, you know, something that can help men who aren't God is knowing what the will of God is. Mm-hmm. And how do we find that out? Is going to the scriptures, right. right? Being transformed by the renewing of our mind, testing what God's will Absolutely. is for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, so that is, you know, practical application, but yeah, fully submitted to the will of God, also, you know, I think when I think about Jesus, I think about the servant leader, you know, Absolutely. the ultimate servant leadership, right. like yeah. modeling that, yeah. what that looks like, and us serving our family in the same way, us serving 
and loving our neighbor in the same way. Right, right, right. You know, the ultimate service leader. Yeah. When, when I'm thinking about Jesus, I think about him as the ultimate standard, right? So since he's the second Adam, he's everything that we are not, in a sense. So we, we're born sinners. We're not sinless. Jesus is sinless. In every aspect of humanity, he is perfect. So he is how we are supposed to be. Like when you said in perfect submission to the will of the Father, mm-hmm. that's how Adam should have been. That's how we should live our lives regularly. But right. we can't, right? But however, since Jesus came, gave us the this standard of what it is to be a man, we have something that we can actually look to. We don't look to Adam mm-hmm. to how right. to be a man. We look to Christ on how to be a man. Right? Yes. And how he lived his life in sacrificial in a sacrificial sense, living around sinners, right? Like yeah. we're made a new creation now, and now we have to look to him as the standard on how yes. to interact with the world around us. That's not up to his standard and up to par. Yeah, exactly right. It's an, an unachievable standard, like Paul said. He says, I haven't attained that. I mean, ultimately, he's talking about the upward, you know, upward movement of sanctification in his life, but he says, I press on to it because if it wasn't an if it wasn't an you know ultimately an unattainable unattainable standard you're talking about a perfect human being here right i mean we would attain it and then just fall off the horse i mean it's it's something that we can't achieve but we're constantly aspiring to and breaking down his life his words his desires his goals how he lived out his life and then aspiring to replicate that i mean that's what Mm, christian means means little Little christ Christ. yes i love that yeah Yeah. and praise god that we have that example and our children have that example because obviously we're not the perfect model of a man we should do our best and to follow after christ but you know for those who don't have christian parents or didn't grow up with a father well you know we have the model of christ still exactly they're looking for christ is what they're looking for right you know like how do you interact in a world without the word becoming flesh right we have something greater than in in our lives we had the word that became flesh that lived and dwelt among us you know he was the life of all men and he died for us so how how could you live in a world let's say you're a sinner and someone approaches you talking about abortion how can you have any stance against it? Like, what, what would Jesus say? What would he do in that situation? He would condemn it mm-hmm. with the word of God, right? Exactly. Like, he, that, that's courageous is standing sure. up against all forms of idolatry. Because when you stand on the word of God, what you're doing then is you're saying, this is the standard. This is true religion and all else is false. And that breaks down every idol. And that takes courage. And he did that constantly. That's exactly right. I mean, if there's any other standard, it always leads to failure. Mm. And you see it in the life of a church. I mean, if there's, if you were aspiring uh, to emulate some other standard, because we're all image bearers, right? We, we bear forth the image. It could be an athlete, it could be a businessman, whatever it may be. But if there's an ultimate standard other than Christ, it always leads to failure. And it always leads to a lopsided Christianity, like legalism, whatever it may be. Not legalism in the sense of like, um, you know, trying to work for your salvation. But if Jesus isn't the standard you see in so many churches, it'll become like a celebrity pastor or something. Mm, sure. That always leads to uh, unbalanced sanctification, right? It's just, it's we could talk about it forever. Right. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we have Christ as the example that we're talking about. Were there uh, some other attributes that you wanted to talk about for Christ being the the ultimate example? Yeah, uh, maybe just one. I mean, gosh, and again, we, There's can, so many. we can talk about his compassion. We can talk about his focus as a man. Remember, he was he set his face like a flint towards Jerusalem. I mean, that was one of the main things I was thinking about. He's a man fully focused on accomplishing the mission of God, right? Of course, Christ had a very particular mission that we cannot replicate, but still we're taking out these transferable principles and saying, like Christ, I want to be submitted to the will of God. I want to be doing all things for his glory, like he glorified the Father in his incarnation. And and I want to be about accomplishing my mission within the context of the local church. I want to put all my heart into that. So... I mean, there's so many, as I was thinking again, there's so many things that we talk about, but I think those are three of the big, big, huge primary issues that relate to really what does it mean to be like Christ as a man? Yeah, Yeah, he and he wasted nothing, right? Mm. Everything was for the purpose of following his God, his father's will. So like the smallest moment interaction between someone was an opportunity, you know, to continue to further on the will of the father. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's pretty awesome to think about the perpetual mo- motion toward his end goal, you yeah. know, the cross. Think about that for a second. <clears throat> I mean, think about him, you know, divesting some of his 
you know, traits as God, omnipotent God the Son, but knowing, I mean, geez, all things were created through Christ. He created the nervous system. Yeah. Right? He knew the pain like we would mm. never even imagine that he would have to go, not only in the flogging and the cat of nine tails and all that, but the yeah. wrath of God, a holy God. I mean, think about the cross and him knowing that that was his, that was his end in the human, in the human, in his human existence, human existence on earth. Of course, right. he's the glorified man right. sitting at the right hand of the father reigning over all things. But I mean, he knew that was going to be his end. He'd get, you know, Peter would deny him. Everybody would bounce and he would, he would have to experience that, and he still still set his gaze uh, towards accomplishing that mission. It's it's unbelievably unbelievably selfless, you know. Wow. Yeah. So let's talk about what's the difference between biblical manhood and secular manhood, because there's there's a growing divide, right? I feel like the divide continues to grow. You know, um, one of the things that you and I were talking about, both all of us being Bodie Bauckham fans is the three B's of the what of secular manhood, like stature in secular manhood, which is billfold, ball field, and bedroom. bedroom. Yep. <laughs> you know, where how much money do you have? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how good are you on the ball field? What's your what's your gifting and uh, how you are in the bedroom. Right. And um that is just totally contrary, you know, to uh the the Christian uh picture of biblical manhood mm-hmm. it's not about you 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 your stature your finances but it's um you know your your will aligning with god's will yeah your your mission aligning with god's mission you living your life in accordance with the what the scripture say not with what the world has oh, to say yeah exactly right yeah Absolutely. Yeah, I was thinking about that too, just a number of things kind of define the secular man, like you were saying. I mean, it's it's all about making money. And here's the thing, we need to make money. We got to work hard, of course. You know, making and acquiring wealth is not necessarily a sinful thing, but it is when it's the sum and substance of your drive, mm. right? I mean, the, kind of the pie chart of your life determines, you know, we all have different colors within that pie chart that determines, you know, how much time I'm investing in certain areas. And you see with the secular man, it's all about external accomplishment, right? It's not about the character, his, his inner man. It's all, and mm. we understand that's because of his you know, dead spiritual state. Right. But it's all about making money. It doesn't matter how he makes money. You have shows like Breaking Bad and stuff like that where you, what do we do? We kind of idolize where you make heroes out of criminals. And mm. however they want to make money is fine as long as they make money. Um, the guy, this secular man, he defies authority, right? He does, sure. he's not submitted. He's not submitted to authority. Anybody, right. right? It's, I want to do what I want to do and you don't tell me what I want to do. You mind your own business. I think he, he's focused on looking good. And, you know, it's, of course, we want to keep in shape. You know, we want to sure. live lives for for God's glory and, you know, for our family. But it's all about his appearance. You know, so much time and energy is invested to that. Multiple sexual, has he had multiple sexual experiences? Because the more that you have, the more of a man that you are. And, of course, yes. the earlier that you have it in life. Yes. Um, he's got a low, he's, the secular man's got a low level of commitment. Hmm. You know, because you see him, he rides on, in town on a big white horse. He kills all the bad guys. He has sex with the most best-looking woman. And what does he do? I gotta go. Yeah. Then he dumps her, dumps his responsibility. Low level of commitment. He's kind of stupidly courageous mm. right? in all these like hero movies that we love. And yeah. you know, he goes and he's fighting fifty guys with like a a, a gun that has a thousand bullet <laughs> yeah. magazine. But right. he doesn't care about like the collateral damage or anything. You look mm. at these movies, he just goes and he just does. He does it for his glory. Yeah. And then he bails. So stupidly courageous and he relishes vainglory. It's all about him. It's all about man's view of him. And I think that's kind of kind of a snapshot of the secular man. Mm. Not to yes. hate on him too much. Right. Yeah. yeah. No, that's good. Wow. It's it's all about self glorification. Right. Right. It's not it's about the external and self glorification, like you said. It's not about the inner man, developing the inner man. It's not about glorifying God. It's about being God. Exactly right. That's a very concise way of putting it. That's exactly right. Wow, yeah, there's there's no humility, you know, like the beautiful thing about Jesus and how much of a man he is is that it's the spirit of Christ that lives within us to enable us to even be manly at all. 
Mm-hmm. You know, like without the spirit of Christ in us, we're the secular man. Oh, you know, fair. any good work that we do now, anything that we accomplish, even as husbands, it's purely because of God and sure. God alone. Like, exactly. There's human responsibility in the way our sanctification works out. But truly, the motivation is always Christ. Like it says in Ephesians, we're created unto good works for us to walk in because it's literally Christ constantly working in us through the power of the Holy Spirit. So he's not done. Sure. He's still here. It's just in a different setting. Yeah. Right. Jesus Christ still lives. He lives through each one of us. That's right. Yeah. It's huge. That's so. That's so powerful. And that's kind of why I worded when you had asked me about my best and worst moments. I said, sure. by the grace of God, yeah, I do this. It's only the production sure. of the Holy Spirit. And you follow that kind of track of thinking. It's because when all said and done, and this is one of the most liberating things that God dropped in my heart through His Word as a man is that they're, they're not going to be singing my praises. Mm-hmm. The heavenly hosts in, in the book of Revelation, they're not circling the throne <laughs> singing praises about sure. me. They never will. No, it's yeah. all about Christ. Amen. But that is so liberating because we can stop with the trying to please each other and being somebody that we're not mm. and just overly anxious and working for the you know position and popularity and the sure. accolades and the hand claps of men. Wow. Because it's irrelevant Mm -hmm. and we're not even worthy of it anyway because anything any like you just said anything good in us belongs to him it's because of him and he's going to receive all the praise and glory but it took me a while especially as a young pastor because all i wanted was you know when i started our church um is for people to come and hear me and know about me Mm -hmm. and get get position and it was when God, you, he kind of takes you through different periods of crushing to crush that out of you. Yeah. Thank God he does that. I mean, in the midst of that, it's difficult, but he's crushing that out of you. And he's God. putting it into your heart saying, son, listen, learn. Mm-hmm. Because if you go about it this way, you're going to have a much more joyful life as you put down this attempt to glorify yourself. Yeah. yeah. And we, we talked about that on one of our shows, talking about sin as, you know, sin is, it can be um, our motives, Right. It could be just our motives. We could be doing what seem to be good deeds, preaching, serving the body. But what is the motive behind it? Right. Is it for me to be seen mm-hmm. or is it for Christ to be glorified right. and to serve him? And, you know, it's interesting, too, is we can trick ourselves mm. into to saying and believing that we are just we're doing it for the glory of God. We can. We yeah. it's easy to do. Yeah. And um, you know what's awesome about that though, and it's painful though, is that He will have His way in the life of His Son, mm. and He because like Hebrews twelve says, you know the Father disciplines the Son that He loves, and we're headed towards that. So He is going to have His work in us, and He'll crush it out of us. Oh. <laughs> But the greatest thing is on the other side of that, and we're, of course, going to go through all of that. That's where you're destined for affliction right. and, and trial for mm-hmm. that purpose. But uh, it's good to know that he's going to take that man, especially as you look at younger men and even in your sons, uh, and you see that, the pride there, and you say, Lord, have your way in him. Do whatever you need to do to crush that out of him so he can be a useful, humble humble vessel in your in your sight and in your hand. You know. Wow. Okay, so this is making me think in terms of discipleship, of discipleship. Uh, with with uh, young men around you, especially with you, probably as a pastor, what what I heard right there was that discipleship is dis, uh, lovingly have correction and discipline over young men in your lives, sure. not yeah. uh, condemning them with your wrath. Like, because there's two types of people in the world: there's people under the wrath of God, and there's people under the discipline of God. Mm-hmm. So when you're discipling young men, I'm guessing because I don't ex- I don't experience what you experience, but what I'm hearing is that it's it's loving correction. It's actually having the courage to tell them when they're not abiding by the word of God. Right. And to recheck yourself, check your heart, repent, and turn to Christ in that moment, right? Is that kind of like... I think that's... Yeah, that's exactly right. And you have to be careful even as a father when you see um, your sons and your daughters repetitively, you know, just doing the same things, falling into the same traps, just like we did when we were growing up. Oh, yeah. Because you can become so exacerbated and your motive is not loving... Uh, you know, tempered, controlled correction. It's just let me let me vent on you mm. because you mm. didn't do the chore that I wanted you to do. Yeah. So, and that's not the way God deals with us. Yeah. What if He unleashed even a fraction of His wrath upon us in our discipline? We'd be vaporized. <laughs> yeah. Right? Exactly. So He is the ultimate example of a loving Father who's tempered yes. in His uh, discipleship. But yeah, you're exactly right. It's just the ability to 
understand that I am being shown as a man so much grace in light of all of my failures against God on a second-by-second -second basis. How can I not, in turn, show that to my sons and also the other men that I'm discipling? Wow. Yeah. I needed to hear that, man. That was good. Yeah, and, it, and something that's interesting, you we're taught, we're, I'm reading about that in Douglas Wilson's book, Why Children Matter, and he talks about that, the difference between corrective discipline and punitive punishment, just right. punishment, right. punishment. You did something wrong. Here's your punishment versus corrective discipline, which looks to correct a behavior and restore fellowship, right? Mm. Fellowship has been broken, just like our fellowship with God in some way with our sin. And there's a correction and a restoration in that versus just wrath coming down yeah, to right. to punish you right. there's a yeah. purpose in that discipline absolutely yeah. and think if any of our uh punishment or our chastisement on our kids were punitive in nature it would that's antithetical to yeah. the father yeah because all the punishment for us for our sins have already been poured about upon the son mm -hmm. so it should all be corrective yep. and that's what you see you know as as god speaks to you know, speaks in his word about us in relation to his chastisement. It's not repunitive. The Bible says we're not destined as his followers for wrath. And so that has to bleed down into your fathering to wow. where I'm like, okay, I want to, and this is how I try to do it. I'm going to tell you what you did wrong, not according to my opinion or my likes or the way I prefer you to act, but this is what God's word says. Sure. This is why I'm disciplining you. And I do it out of love for you to save you from the consequences of this type of activity and for the future. So, yeah. Yeah, it's got to be corrective because if it's just mainly punitive, I'm just going to vent on you. Then, you know, they're not going to get a good picture of God. Yeah. Right? yeah. It distorts the picture of the father um, that we're supposed to be portraying as a father, as an earthly father. And I think that may be a big reason why people, you know, young kids just walk away from the faith because the dads were just so yeah. bad examples. Wow. Yeah, I have such a problem with that. You know, I find myself constantly falling into disciplining my children or lashing out at them because I'm annoyed yeah. with what yeah. they're doing. Not that they necessarily <laughs> did something wrong, right? but right. they were being a child and were loud. Mm -hmm. Or they did something that I just didn't like or I didn't want to hear or it annoyed me. And I lashed out at them because of that, or I decided to to speak to them and discipline them um, because I was merely annoyed and not because they broke a rule or right. were disobedient. That's something I constantly struggle with. Yeah, yeah, me too. I think at the end of that though, is you can you can be humble now and teach them what humility is, and go up to them and say, "I need to ask for your forgiveness." Yes, this is not how God has required mm. me to do, or I didn't go about it the way God has specified me to do this, and I need to ask for your forgiveness. So you could still turn that difficult situation that you fill in the sin there into a good learning to where they can see the humility, and they can know, and this is important, that dad isn't the hero. Right. right. As much as young men and your sons are looking to you as the hero, I asked my I asked my kids the other day, I said, uh, Who's a person that inspires you? And, and I, there's no way in a million years I did it for them to say me. Right. You know, but they said you. And I'm like, whoa, mm. I didn't expect you to say that. But then you're like, man, their eyes are on me. You yeah. Know? So I, even in the midst of that, you can show them that you're just a man made of clay, that you sin. And then hopefully they make Christ the hero. Right. Not, yeah. Not you. Dang. And it shows them that, that asking for forgiveness, it also shows them that we're under authority. Yes. Right? Exactly that right. Yeah. as they're under authority, that we're under authority, and we're not the ultimate authority. Um, and that's a good reminder to them. Um, and I think I got that from, like, uh, Vody Bauckham's book, Purpose, Family Driven Faith, mm -hmm. where he talks about just showing that we're in submission to God's Word. And when we have... Uh, broken what he says that we need to ask for forgiveness to it's not just them wow exactly right it's yeah. like there's like an always we as fathers should always be constantly checking our hearts because jesus warns about like the pharisees and he says they make their children twi twice the children of satan that they were and he also warns that if anyone makes a child stumble it's better for them to have a millstone cast put around their neck and cast into the sea right like those are warnings we should take to the heart as people who submit to the word of God, because the Pharisees claim to submit to the word of God as well, you know, but there's like, when you're, when you're walking that line, there's, there's the, the edge is always there kind of like in the pilgrim pilgrims progress. Like 
it, it, it's there unless we're checking our heart in humble submission to the Lord, you know? Yeah. Right. That's just the stewardship of influence is what it is. Cause like there's you said, the stewardship I mean, it's just of influence. influence, you know, like the uh, Pharisees had over there, um, you know, disciples and what we have over kids. We don't steward that. Mm. We get in trouble. I mean, yeah. especially what Jesus said, he says, it's going to be, it'll, it'll be punitive, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we, we've kind of talked about it already, but Let's talk a little bit more about biblical discipleship of men's, young men specifically. We talked about being under authority and showing them that, um, leading by example. But uh, do you have maybe some practical things that you put together? Yeah, I mean, you think about discipleship, and it translates into the world, too. I mean, a, a disciple is somebody who's disciplined to follow, right? I mean, I think one of the greatest... Um, definitions of Christian is a disciplined follower of Jesus Christ. Right. So when you're discipling somebody, you're trying to discipline them to follow not you, but to Him, but you, to, to follow Him. Right. So that's the basis of discipling a young man. And just as in maybe like a, a sporting category or something like that, you're telling them the same things to do over. You know, you know, with our kids. Yeah. Right. right, right. I mean, that's what discipleship yeah. and training is. Just it's not conceptually difficult. It just takes consistency. It takes you being there in the moment, you know, focusing in on them, mm. understanding the words that are coming out of your mouth. But it's mainly teaching God's word constantly, the same things over. Yeah, I think you should you should kind of teach the milk before the meat. Sure. You, and you guys know you started out with baby kind of Bibles when the kids were yeah, younger, yeah, yeah. and as they progress and develop, you you give them more. So I think it's. It's teaching and just that bringing them next to you so that they can not only hear it out of your mouth, but see it in the way that you live. Yes. Practicing what you're preaching. Yes. Um, And I think one thing I learned as a man is that what we try to do is we compartmentalize things. And some people are really good at compartmentalization. You know, I'm going to do this and this at this part of the day and I'm going to do that. And that's great. Um, I don't necessarily operate like that. And what, what I try to do when it comes to discipleship of my kids is kind of like Ravi Zacharias says in a book. I can't remember. I think it's the great weaver. Mm. He says it's it's kind of weaving these commitments or these things that you do as far as dis- discipline together. I like that. So, like, when I'm, I get to go to the mill. We go to the mill a lot or I'm out at evangelistic outreaches. What am I doing? I'm bringing my kids with me. Yeah. Yes. Right? And I don't force them. Too, and I know this is a whole other discussion we could talk about. Sure. But I say, if God's put in your heart, if you want to come out and say, babies, come out. And they come and they learn how to preach the gospel. They learn yeah. how to deal with confrontation mm-hmm. in many ways. They learn how to love their neighbor. They're seeing their dad preach it and do it. Right. And constantly doing that. And so for them now, and I know it mainly for uh, Jude and Reese, they love to go. They love it. They love the excitement of it because now, because I've modeled that and taught that, they know this is what it means to be a Christian. Yes. So for them, not going out and evangelizing, you're like, well, why don't you do that? Yeah. We're supposed to do that as Christians. Right. Right. So I think it's the teaching and the modeling have to work in tandem Mm, to get it into the heart of your disciple. If that's not there, it's not going to stick. Wow. And that's Jesus's perfect example, right? Right. The sermons that he preached over and over again, what he kept instilling in his disciples and then what he would display that as well as he ministered to the crowds as he healed the sick the things that he did he modeled it and he constantly was Mm. teaching them the same thing and and you know it's interesting we say that because even you know in our church we hear a lot of the same things the same type of sermons over and over again and it's not done by accident it's done on purpose Mm -hmm. To, to get those principles in you and to constantly hearing constantly be hearing the gospel message to constantly be hearing these things so that it's like you said it's just second nature second nature yeah repetition is always the key to memorization and to for it to stick in your heart and yeah. that's exactly right we have to and you know as as dads I mean it's always you're not saying complex things to your kids. You're just saying it over and over. I mean, for me in my yeah, house, yeah. love your neighbor, love your neighbor, love your neighbor. You know, when, when they're, you know, saying something unwholesome or use unwholesome words or, you know, be self-controlled or kind of even business before pleasure when they have to do their chores. So it's this constant repetition of the same things to get it in their heart. You know? It's like what, what I'm hearing is like out of, a, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? So children's mimic what their parents' heart displays in their lives. 
So if you're not going to be, if, if you don't have a heart change, which makes you go out there and evangelize, if you're not literally doing it for the Lord, they're not going to, they're not going to display that. You know what I mean? They're not going to want to mimic that. It's going to actually mimic something different and like discontentment and things of that nature. You know? Yeah. Like that's what I'm hearing. That's a good way to put it. And, uh, you know, I think your children are always going to latch on or maybe um, replicate what you're actually passionate for mm, exactly. as parents. They'll, they'll see it. They see right through it. They see through it. They're saying, well, you're doing this, but it's actually, your heart's not there. Oof. But I'm going to really, I, you know, daddy and mommy are going to be my heroines until they mm. grow up. And my my example, and here's a, here's a thing also, I'm not going to get into too, too far, but this, here's a good quote by the guy that you were uh, listening to today. He says, the characteristics of the kingdom will always emanate from the character of the king. Ooh. So that means whoever you're submitted to, mm. you're going to become like. Wow, That's yeah. why we as your elders in Apologia Church, we have to have higher st- standards of faith, practice, and conduct because our people are going to emulate us. Mm. That's just the way it works in yeah. God's world. Makes you sense. will become what you're submitted to. So the kids in the home, of course, during that time, they're submitted to the leadership and the authority of the parents and they will become like them. Right? Yes. Yeah. Wow. Kind of a, you want to see an example of that just from an outward stance. I have a beard now and we have a talk show. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, and that's exactly right. And I, I giggled too because, yeah, you come into Apology at Church and you know, somebody might get a tattoo or a beard or start drinking yerba mate (laughs) (laughs) right god God is so smart though this is what makes me think in the qualifications of an elder is you must like show that your family is raised well you know what i mean because like exactly what you said they're gonna they're gonna mimic what you what you display in the home and that's a good god is brilliant he's like look at their children you want to know if they're going to be a good elder look at their children yeah Yeah, that's good that's exactly right and that's just the that's just the uh criteria the standard that we have to rise up to as wow. elders and maintain it yeah so pray for us yeah, yeah. All that's a hard standard <laughs> yes. to keep yeah. yes <laughs> so what one of the things we talked about is what if we don't disciple our children properly mm. what if we don't disciple our young men what is what is what does that look like yeah so if we don't purposefully disciple them it's not as though they won't be discipled have a disciple somewhere. They're going to be discipled by the world and by yes. the devil, ultimately, right? Yeah. So they will be discipled by somebody, and it's going to come through the things that they listen to. It's going to come through video games, not hating on all video games out yeah. there. It's going to come through right. an athletic figure. We are made to worship a hero, but ultimately it should be Christ. Oof, amen. So if our boys are not discipled by us intentionally, they will be discipled by the world. Yep. Yes, they will. And the problem, and it's so, and, and I know it, it comes from a lack of teaching for men, but they don't see that as their fault. So a lot of men will fail, and then they'll simply not like their sons mm. because they're bad guys, but they've trained them to be that way. Mm. When we really have to take the responsibility, as Doug says, you know, that's your fault. Yeah. This is your fault. And I know it. You know, there's exceptions to that rule. There is, yeah. There is exceptions to right, that right, rule. Well, ultimately, again, if we don't disciple them, they'll be discipled by the world. And all the pains and the evils and the and the wickedness that we deal with, ultimately, it's, it's a lack of the influence of biblical men. Right? Yeah. Men, we're the hope of the world. Yeah. yeah. And you see all the evils. I mean, you're talking about, you know, slavery 150 years ago. You're talking about even the inception of our nation during the Revolutionary War. It was Christian men. Right. That were motivating all that. And we know the Black Robe Regiment and, yep. you know, uh, guys that stormed the beaches of Normandy. These are basically Christ following men doing these types of things, shaping the world to be, you know, heaven upon earth. You know, <clears throat> let your will be done on heaven as it is upon earth. That comes on the back of Christian men doing their duty. Yes. Not only doing our duty, but teaching our sons and daughters how to do it. Yeah. And dying while doing it. Yeah. Yeah. If you need know, be. Yeah. Yes. A willingness to die to self. And yeah, so, you know, interesting with our children and, and not discipling them and what Proverbs says, you know, train, train up a child in the way they should go when they were old, they will not depart from it. But you also said, too, you know, we train up our children in the way that we should go. That doesn't guarantee that they don't stray from the path, right? right? The right. Proverbs, it's wisdom literature, things that we should do, that we're called to do. 
but it's not like a guarantee. Yeah, and that's a good thing to talk about, just kind of briefly, is that we, even though, as you know, your viewers are listening to this, there's a whole lot of conviction, there's a whole lot of weight, there's a whole lot of responsibility. We just have to accept that. Right? Yeah. But we also understand that we do our duty, and that's all we can do. And right. I, I communicate that to my kids. I talk about fitness, health. I talk about the Lord and His Word, and saying I just ultimately the decision is up to you. Right. And I really believe this. And we can, you know, and I and I, I know people don't necessarily take this this stance, but all throughout the scriptures, you see that God responds to worship from the heart of the individual, right? It's got to come. Even when they were building the tabernacle, you know, when they, they were gathering everything, he said, let, I just want, and I'm going to paraphrase this. He said, I just want to receive from the men whose hearts stir them. And he even talked to the Pharisees and said, your lips are so, you know, are for me, but your heart is so far from me. So I never want to generate some type of worshipful activity within the lives of my kids. I want that to be done by the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. So not to get too far off sure. into that. I like that. But what we can do as men is we done our we've done our duties and our kids decide to say no to the Lord, which many have. You talk you think about, you know, Solomon's sons and what he did. And I know Solomon had a lot of problems, but we can sleep sweetly if we do if we've done it. Because right. we're not in the in the uh business of producing results mm -hmm. we're doing our duty we're saying you're going to take god's wisdom and you're either going to put it up on a pedestal and bow down to it or you're going to treat it like trash sure but I, at least i'm doing what i'm supposed to be doing yeah. and if you're watching or listening and you're using that as an excuse not to disciple your sons or your daughters you have not listened to what we've said oh right. that's good bro exactly yeah it's not an excuse good. not yeah. to disciple just to say and that's a good point just to say oh they're not going to do what i they're not going to do what I say anyway. Nope, that's not the excuse. What we're saying is that if you do your duty and they choose to respond, you know, God forbid, in a contrarian way, that's their decision. Right. They're, sure. they're free agents, not in the not in the sense that they're you know have free will. We know, we know that's sure. not the case. But they're free agents. They make their own choices. Yep, they're yep. going to they're going to reap what the scriptures say as far as we submit to it. They're going to reap the whirlwind. If they live that life of disobedience. Yeah. You know what's beautiful though, still in the terms of the fruit that's processed from even if the children don't if, if God ends up not regenerating them, right? Mm -hmm. We're still the salt and the light to the world. So with an increasingly Christian nation where there's biblical discipleship, even when people aren't regenerated, the the there's still a benefit to society. Exactly right. You know what yeah. I mean? Like we still it still needs to happen, like to Shiloh will be the obedience of, of the nations. Like right. it's inevitable. Yeah, it, it has to be that way. Yeah, exactly. And the only reason why this country is still on the uh, face of the planet is because of the overflow of the Christian effect upon that planet. I mean, it's just the effect of the sons of God and the daughters of God living within a certain particular nation oh. and just being there. Sure. And God and Paul, the Apostle Paul talks about it too. It talks about how the remember he talks about marriage and he talks about how the unbelieving spouse is sanctified yes. because of the believing believer right yes. he's not talking about not saving saved. them yeah right. he's just no. talking about being in the presence of an obedient christian you're going to be a recipient of all the harvest of their obedience right, right? and just basically they're the outpouring of their lives yeah, yeah I, I could be really far off you could definitely correct me but this is what my brain just started thinking about sodom and gomorrah when abraham's pleading with the lord don't destroy them if you can find 50 20 10 one righteous person and we know there's none. There's Lot, which is called out of there. Yeah. Lot's wife's destroyed, but his daughters remain. But um, it's like, if the Christians weren't on this earth, would it be here? If the spirit of Christ wasn't in his people, it would be destroyed, wouldn't it? What's holding back the hand of God's wrath from being exposed in all the sinners and wicked people of this world? Right. It's the spirit of Christ within the, the believers that he's chosen to regenerate and keep for himself. Because he has a greater plan, which he's formed from the foundations of the earth, which is to make all things new exactly right yeah and that's the ultimate purpose of salt like pastor jeff says it's not so we can be the spice of life and right look how flavorful <laughs> yeah I said that look, look at the smile on that christian's face <laughs> no it's a preservative right you know, we yeah. preserve and again the only reason why um he hasn't rolled his judgment over in a hugely cataclysmic way i think is because of just the preservative nature of the christians and the loving father didn't want to pour out his wrath upon his own sons yes. and daughters within that nation yeah yeah Amen. and then finally what what does it look like if we do if we disciple our sons and we kind of talked about it the results belong to god 
It's us to be. It's on us to be obedient. The results belong to God, kind of like our preaching the gospel, right? Yeah. But um, you know, what does it look like if we do disciple our children? With there's there's an inner peace in that, and knowing yeah. that I was obedient to God's calling and what He called me to do, but also you know the fruit of our sons, like you said, wanting to come out to the abortion mill with us to preach the gospel, the gospel going forward, the the long thinking, the the mind that we should have in thinking of giving an inheritance to our children, not mm. just being a financial one, but a spiritual one right. and to their Amen. children and their children, right, right. like yeah. the God breaking the curses onto a, what, a thousand generations. I, right. I think about that. Like I think about my parents who aren't saved and how God chose, you know, to break that curse in me and then the generations to come that are affected because of that. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's amazing to think, what if we all do it properly and biblically? I think like Bonson says, it's heaven on earth. That's yeah. what it is. I mean, you've got a bunch of guys walking around the planet who are loving their neighbors who are fully submitted to the will of God, who are preaching the gospel, and everything that, everything else that entails the Christian man's life. I mean, you're talking about bringing heaven upon the earth, and then the earth responding to that. What does the mm-hmm. Bible says? The creation groans for yeah. the revealing of the sons of God, yep. because it has to do with the effect of, you know, a Christian populace upon a planet. How that even affects nature. How that even affects the ground. I mean, Amen. and we can get into you know, like um, blood guiltiness and when you shed innocent blood and in, in the reversed, how that affects the, the ground. It says the, mm. the ground cries out yes. and brings calamity and destruction. So ultimately, if we disciple our boys, um, we're bringing, we're not only honoring God first and giving him glory just in simple obedience, expressing our love to him in simple obedience, but we are ultimately loving our planet. You know, wow, people sure. are so concerned with the planet and I am too, but it, that comes through live in your life as Christ has told you to and yeah. then teaching mm-hmm. others to do it. Yeah. I, I could be getting a little far off, but <laughs> I, I, this, this is making me think about this. You know how Pastor Jeff always talks about in the Old Testament, it was training wheels, like all of the worship, uh, the tabernacle, the sacrifice, the temple. It was all training wheels for what was to come. Well, biblical discipleship and everything that we're talking about with the revealing of the sons of God and doing it from the heart is training wheels for living in glory with the new Jerusalem on earth and fellowship with God. Yeah. Like right now, it's just training wheels for what it's going to be like then. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it has to be that way. Yeah, but we're good post-mills, millennials, and we know millennialists, and we know that uh, as time goes on, that he's going to put every every enemy under his feet. Even, yeah. you know, we put abortion and slavery and racism, and rightly so, but you're talking about sluggardness. Yes. And, you know, he's purifying his bride. And so as time goes on, we don't know how far that'll be, but you will see kind of a, a heaven on earth. Because most of the world at the time before yeah. Christ comes is going to be vastly Christian because mm. the gospel will continue to renew and redeem and make <laughs> all things new. Yeah. yeah, and we're passing that along, right? Yeah. We may be, you know, struggling in certain areas that hopefully our sons will take forward and God will sanctify yeah. that out of them. And then the next generation, maybe God will sanctify yeah, it's what gonna happen. we're bad at. It's you know? it's biblical, biblical discipleship is post-mill. I'm like coming to that conclusion in my head right now. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And he will have his way and his bride will be uh, made spotless, purify his bride. And that's the hope. That's why we can go to bed and smile because it may not be in our nation, but it's going to happen. And we're going to be able to sit back and enjoy, enjoy it all, right? Wow. Yeah. Awesome, man. Yeah. I think we had an awesome discussion yeah. and uh, enjoyed it. Awesome, man. You have anything else you wanted to bring in before we get into it? No, that was that was great, Pastor Zach. That was yeah. Great. No, you guys too. It was awesome. Good discussion. Well, we're gonna have some fun now and get a little silly. <laughs> it's time for a segment of show that we call the Wheel, Wheel of Groom. Groom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. no. I've been dreading this all day. Bust that the old <laughs> Wheel of Groom. And I'm 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 pretty sure you told me earlier today that. Uh, you're really excited about playing some of these games that we have. Okay, so what I got to so do? So here's the thing. So we have four different games on here, 
you go ahead and give it a spin. Whatever you land on is the game that you compete against our champion here. Ooh. Yeah. I just beat Luke. He's going down. Chow, chow crown. <laughs> no. That's the one. We can't do chow crown. Okay, spin it again. <laughs> give it a good spin. Wheel of Fortune spin. There we go. Wow. <laughs> We're casting lots and the Lord's telling right, us chow crown. Done. Speak yeah. out. This is, is so good. Yeah, yeah, for that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Oh, this one is probably. Oh, my this favorite. is the thingy in the mouth. Yeah. 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 You gonna be okay with that? Yeah, are they clean though, bro? Yeah, they are. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Go ahead and grab out. I'm gonna stand one up. of your. I'm gonna stand right here to do it. Are they all the same size? I think so. Yeah. Yes. Oh man, I need some chapstick, dude. My lips have been chapped all day. I'm gonna rip them to shreds right now. <laughs> so. How do you do it? So, so we get the big parts to go on the inside. Oh, like this. Okay, so oh my gosh. here's what we're going to do. We're going to have you guys guess three. Whoever gets to three first, whoever can guess three of them first, wins. Okay? The loser has to eat, of course, the disgusting jelly beans. Is this right? That's right. Yeah, right. That is yeah. right. Okay. If it um, hurts, it's right. Since yeah, it hurts in your <laughs> Since you're our guest, we'll let you, um, you we'll let you guess first. Okay. So I'll take mine out when I read. Oh wait, no, wait. He's guessing, so. He's he's guessing, so you can take it out, and you're you're oh. going first. Oh, I can take it out. Yes. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but I think you're these. So we're gonna go for uh, best of three. So he's gonna do three cards. You do your best on those three cards, uh -huh. and then you will do three cards, and he'll have to try and guess. And whoever gets the most is the winner. Okay, gotcha. You you hand me a card. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this is so good. All right. Oh yeah. Okay. Are you ready? Yep. Nanas and Papas love knickknacks. Nanas and Papas love knickknacks. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Wow. Okay. Oh, okay. Wild tattoos, not her he had. <laughs> Does he, I don't get a do-over? You get a couple, of, yeah. Yeah, okay. until this runs out. Oh, go. go Wild tattoos, not her he had. Wild um, raccoons never behave. <laughs> wild tattoos. Oh, wild baboons never behave. Yeah. yeah. All right. Master Zach. You're a do it again. You gotta say Tyson's for me. Do it again? You gotta say Tyson's for me. Music pleases me? <laughs> he did! He said that's in the world! Three for three. Okay. Okay. Is it hard to talk about? Yep. You gotta get all three, Andrew. You're the best in the world, dude. <laughs> and you're gonna do the blue side. How did you do okay. that? I thought the first Ready? one can get you for sure. Violets, velvet, all gone. No, I'll do it again. Okay. Violets, velvet, all gown. Violets, velvet, all gown. Violets, velvet, all gown. Violets, velvet, all down. Violets, velvet, all gown. I'm trying, dude. I said pass. Pass, pass, pass. pass. Okay. Slide at the planetarium. Slide at the planet planetarium. Oh, s side, side at the <laughs> side at the planetarium. S side at the planetarium. S side at the planetarium. Pass. I did. Sorry. Last one. No, you're good. No, you're Feels full. like crank height. Feels like crank height. No. I know. Fellas like. Crank height. Fellas like crank height. Oh, <laughs> fellas like crank height. Fellas like crank. <laughs> dude, height. you can't do certain uh, letters. <laughs> All right, that's the time. Uh, what was it, dude? Fellas like crank fight. Ah. Oh. All right. Sorry, dude. No, you're fine, dude. <laughs> that's not your fault. I didn't get some. I lost. You got none. Dude, I got wrecked. We'll do it. You next did. Time. That you was did. great, though. Yeah. That was fun. Well, Andrew. I've been dethroned again. You've been dethroned. Jeremy gotcha. We need like a checkboard so we can have Jeremy, Zach. Who's who, a leaderboard? Yeah, then they can verse each other. Like I know. We can, we can have like our a, champion. We can have a championship series. Yeah, we can just cool. go back and 
So obviously oh. you got the three disgusting jelly beans. <laughs> because we're low, I feel like you should just pick three. Okay, and then we'll look at them and see yeah, which ones we'll, it we'll be. Yeah, we'll see which one it is. So Pastor Zach, everyone's been getting all the good jelly beans, so we're knowing that... Oh, Mainly no. the nasty ones are left. Oh, yeah, it's going to happen right now. All right, and so, I won't let you see the flavors. Here, let, let, let's let Pastor Zach choose for me the three jelly beans. Okay, I'll try not to touch the other ones. Since he just destroyed um, me. Is this I, for you? Yeah. yeah, it's for me. Oh, you got to eat them. Yeah, mm-hmm. so choose me three. Uh, Don't be gracious. Okay. Orange um, is a gracious choice. Here's a barf. Barf colored. <laughs> All right, so All right, we'll start with the barf colored one. Let's I did see. use hand sanitizer before I. Yeah, Perfect. I ain't Social tripping. distancing. Load. Declare it. All right. <laughs> so yeah, this might be barf, or it might be uh, dead fish, uh, or how do you replicate peach. the flavor of barf. Who's the guy? Yeah, who tasted them? This time, this is just like barf. They did it. <laughs> that one's good. I don't know what it is though. Is it peach? No. Strawberry banana? Strawberry banana. Okay. Ooh, got a good one. I got a good right. one. Let's do the next one. That one's either... Ooh, that one's... <laughs> let me see here. I don't even know. That one looks like it's been faded by the sun. Dusty left all the beans outside. Yep. <laughs> That's either marshmallow or stink bug. Okay. Stink bug? Oh. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> stink bug? <laughs> yeah, I stink bug, bro. <laughs> That was nasty. The first bite was like an explosion. <laughs> mm, it's kind of good now, though. Ooh. Turned stink, on you, huh? Stink bug has a good aftertaste. And I think the last one is either oh, yeah. strawberry banana smoothie or, or dead, dead fish. fish. Oh, man. I've had the dead fish one. That's one of the worst. Is it bad? Yeah. Mm. Strawberry banana. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, he would know. Uh, oh, wait, wait. Feels like spaghetti. <laughs> it could be a blending of all the beans uh, I've been eating. That's yeah. like just a spaghetti one. Yeah, yeah, at first it felt sweet, now it's like, or it tasted sweet, now it tastes like spaghetti. Well, guys, had some fun. Um, thanks again for being on, no, man. Thanks so much, man. It was a blessing. Yeah, it was great. And as we always say, or as I always say, come out your beard in the way that it should grow, and when it is long, it will not depart from it. Thanks for tuning in. God bless. Peace. This addition versus submission Sinners need forgiveness Surrender to his lordship Don't extort the grace he's given See I'm blessed by the one Yahweh All day I'm a wretched sinner Deserve hell for all ways